You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Foolish, stupid, weird, silly. Keep going. America is lost, represented perfectly by the mainstream media. Wow. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'm a rare bird, but I'm not interested in Alex Murtoff. I don't even know who he is, this guy. Um, he's alleged to, to have killed his wife and son, and that's horrible. But lots of people are killed in America these days, more than ever before, it seems. And as far as murderers go, I love true crime. I find it fascinating. I like uh, The Son of Sam, the Charles Manson case, Jeffrey Dahmer, O.J. Simpson. But this guy, I don't know who he is. His testimony, every single channel in the country carried it live today. Every si I thought I was uh, hallucinating I tuned in like everybody else. Okay, this has got to be fascinating, right? Apparently, he's like South Carolina royalty, an aristocrat on trial. Okay, let's see what he has to say. You got the kennels and the, and, and the chicken coop sort of form an L shape. And in, in that L was some planted pines. First thing the dogs would do is go out in that um, kennel and, you know, Bubba... And, 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 and Grady, I think, learned this from Bubba, but Grady would do it too. But Bubba had to mark every tree. I mean, he, he, he would go and he'd do a little number on this tree and that tree. You know how dogs do. Every channel in America. Bubba's a dog. And Grady, I think, is another dog. And they do what dogs do. Next. Grady was chasing guineas, um, which was a normal thing to do. What, what are guineas? Uh, guinea fowl is a, a guinea fowl is like um, it's like a chicken. It's a domestic bird that you know we had them. I, they make a lot of racket. Beverly hillbillies, South Carolina hillbillies. I'm sorry, this is not my world. Whatever, a guinea fowl duck. It's just bizarre. And again, on national television, non-stop. Something's really off. I'm still waiting for it to get interesting. Do you find this interesting? Bubba catches a chicken. I take the chicken. I put it... When Bubba... Bubba didn't chase... These dogs didn't chase the chickens to kill them. And they didn't normally kill them. They did kill them sometimes, but... 
it was about the chase with those dogs. And, and, and they were proud when they caught one. You could just tell by the way Bubba would prance to you when he brought chicken to you. He was proud that he had caught it. But he wasn't trying to kill it. And so most times the chicken wasn't dead. I'm actually relieved to hear that. I don't want that chicken to die. And I like that Bubba was just trying to impress his, uh, his owner there. <laughs> Every channel in the country all day long. We have war. We've got uh, East Palestine. We've got transgenders waging a coup, some of them, it seems like, against our culture, against our children. And it's uh, all about Bubba and chickens and, uh, and this. And that chicken wasn't dead, um, but a lot of times they would be stunned and they would be just real lethargic. So you had to take the chicken and you had to put it up somewhere where, you know, the chicken could be by itself for a minute. And, and it would eventually, usually, you know, come back to normal and going about its, you know, whatever chicken does. I hope that chicken got away from Bubba, Alex Murtoff. Guinea and that whole crazy situation. This is a crazy situation. Every single channel. And, uh, oh, Fox News. Yeah, they went for this as well. All right. Wall to wall coverage of this. Why this case? All right. All right. I mean, the news is supposed to some guy, some producer is supposed to watch this stuff all day long and find the interesting part. And then you put that on the news so we can go about and live our lives, not have this nonsense on all the time. And Oh, by the way, I guess this is the interesting part. Alex Murtoff denying that he shot his wife and kid. Did you take this gun or any gun like it and blow your son's brains out on June 7th or any day or any time? No, I did not. Did you take 300 blackout such as this and fire it into your wife Maggie's? leg, torso, or any part of her body? No, I did not. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he did. I don't know. And I'm sorry. I can't bring myself to care. There's too much going on right now. We've got uh, the world's in chaos. And personally, people are getting shot left and right in my neighborhood. Um, why did they have this? All the legal analysts on every network dissecting this case front and back. What happened on that farm by the chicken coop with the dogs, with the whole thing? Discussion, conversation. And you know what, though? None of these people really has watched the entire trial. The trial started all the way back on January 25th. So you basically have people on television talking about stuff that they don't fully understand. Some don't understand at all, but nevertheless, it's kind of trivial. I will say this for Mr. Murdoff from the trouble, the, the coverage I'm seeing, they're giving him the benefit of the doubt. No one on television is declaring him guilty or innocent. They're just like, and I don't know, maybe he's innocent. Maybe he's guilty. It's up to the jury. Ultimately, if only they would afford that kind of treatment to Donald Trump. Hmm? I mean, uh, he doesn't get it. Trump, but would you compare the coverage of uh, Mr. Murtoff to the coverage of Donald Trump? Who gets more favorable coverage? Yeah, the accused murderer does. No joke. We know under the spirit of the law that Donald Trump is, is guilty of seditious conspiracy. Under the spirit of the law, we all saw it with our own eyes. Trump is really guilty of crimes against democracy.
I can assure you that Donald Trump is guilty of his own crimes. Donald Trump is guilty as all hell. There's no question about it. I know that he's guilty. Trump is guilty of undermining our democracy. That's quite a br- <laughs> guilty, 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 guilty of undermining our democracy. Yeah, well, uh, you got 10,000 prosecutors in the federal government, local government. You can't really seem to bring your case. Meanwhile, President Trump is leading that trip to uh, East Palestine yesterday was brilliant and so well appreciated. But back to uh, what did he do? This is the latest. uh, This is their great big hope, Georgia, that this phone call is a crime. And this is the moment they say this is the crime. You don't have to be a lawyer to know that this case is a fraud and he's an innocent man. Listen. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more that we have, because we won the state. I only need 11,000 votes. Fellas, I need 11,000 votes. Give me a break. Somebody really should give him a break, huh? What's criminal about that? I only need 11,000 votes. I want 11,000 votes. You guys are counting the votes. Are you sure? Check again. Look, I need 11,000 votes. That's not, that's not a problem. The media, they've criminalized everything this guy does, and so has the government, the Department of Justice, what they are doing. Where are the good guys? Where are the people who will stand up and say, this is wrong? There, I know there are some brilliant lawyers out there. Maybe they don't like Trump. You don't have to like Trump, but they have so toxified the system that big law firms, the real good lawyers, um, they're afraid to get involved. They're afraid to touch anything Trump. Big tech, of course. What have they done? They have um, more or less canceled Trump. So that leaves us, you and me. We can go out there and read and debunk the January 6th report, all 845 pages Very few people are going to do that. Now, I did. (laughs) And it is a crime that that thing was written on government paper. People should go to jail for that. Once it became public, we went through it. We'll go through it in a little bit. But there aren't many people out there like us. Okay, there just aren't. So this anti-Trump fervor just permeates and gathers steam. And it's terrible and it's unfair and it's un-American. I try to tackle January 6th a little bit, a chunk of it in my book, available wherever books are sold, Justice for All. If you watch this show, if you like this show, and I know some of you out there watch every single night, I'd appreciate it if you'd consider uh, this book. It's available wherever books are sold. It's all about how the left is wrong about law enforcement. And um, wow. Every single channel carried this case. I don't get it. I don't get it. And they don't treat Donald Trump like they treat an accused murderer. More fairness, more consideration for an accused murderer than for a former president of the United States. Bizarro world. I'll be right back.
Big tech is a real danger. Now, Congressman Ken Buck's new book exposes their censorship. It's called Crushed, Big Tech's War on Free Speech. Google, Facebook, and Twitter suppress the truth about Hunter's laptop, COVID, Trump, and more. If you're tired of their liberal bias and how Google uses Gmail and YouTube TV to censor you, get crushed. Get your free copy of Crushed today by going online or calling the number on your screen. The fraud and the follower, Pete Buttigieg, total fraud and not a leader. Oh, boy. So much about this guy is a joke. We'll get to that in a moment. But, uh, you know, Donald Trump went to East Palestine, Ohio, in the aftermath of that horrible wreck and the environmental calamity, former president of the United States. Uh, The federal government was uh, blowing it off. He led the way. Who showed up today? Pete Buttigieg. There he is on the left, looking very awkward around these uh, white men who are wearing hard hats. Uh, He said (laughs) a couple of weeks ago that he thinks there are too many white people in construction work. He actually said that. So Pete uh, was awkward today, no doubt about it. And uh, he's feeling the heat, people kind of seeing through his act right now. And boy, oh boy, uh, he did not have any answers for the people at one point. Mayor Pete, why did it take you an entire two and a half weeks to actually get here to respond to East Palestine? Will you apologize to the residents of this city for for the, the, the slow response, to the government's slow response? Do you have any apology? I'm a press person. I can help you. Sure, I'm a sure, sure, sure. So can, can, can we ask why it took him almost three weeks to get here? I'm sorry, I don't want to do this on camera. What was his personal time off while there was a tragedy happening here? And can we also ask, too, why it, uh, you know, he waited until President Donald Trump came here to actually make an appearance. This is a very important question that people across America would like to know. I'm happy to have a conversation with you. I do not want to be on camera. Uh, well, please put the cameras away. My name's Alexa I'm sorry, we're on a public area, uh, so we are allowed as press. You guys, I would like you guys to turn your cameras off. You're not on my camera. Well, I'm on a camera. I would like your cameras to be off, and then I'm happy to talk to you guys. Well, if you're the press secretary of the secretary of the Department of Transportation, don't you think you should be able to ask questions from the American public that Absolutely. you serve? Absolutely. I would like to do it without the camera on. Please. Can I ask why? I think that is a little bit aggressive. That's why. Why is it aggressive? I'm on behalf of the American people. I'm just asking why he has not been here until Donald Trump She's came. Asked them. She's asked them three several times for them to turn the cameras off, and they will not do it. <laughs> you don't like cameras? Sorry, it's 2023. Cameras are everywhere. Wow, the press secretary to a cabinet secretary doesn't want to be on camera. I wonder how the cops feel. She should talk to the cops every time they try to arrest somebody. A bunch of people try to make a federal case out of it. Catch them out. Is that aggressive? An aggressive use of cameras? Let's see. This woman, her name is Arndt. And she makes uh, Carrie Arndt, press secretary to Pete Buttigieg, and she makes one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars a year. I think that entails going on camera from time to time. How much do people make in East Palestine, by the way? Roughly yeah, twenty seven thousand dollars. That was Savannah Hernandez who got us that footage. Great, great stuff. Uh, So what did Pete have to say while he was there? There have been enormous amounts of both information and misinformation injected into this situation, none of which is to the benefit of the community uh, when it comes to that misinformation. So I think, so I lost my train of thought. You are accusing people who disagree with you of engaging in misinformation and disinformation. Ooh, watch out for those. 
Jordan Peterson, a professor from Canada. I love this guy, an amazing man. Follow him on Twitter, listen to his uh, videos, he's great. He tweeted this, Jim, just the other day, do not trust anyone who uses the words disinformation or misinformation. What they mean is opinions that run contrary to mine that I should be allowed to suppress. Absolutely. That is Secretary Pete, formerly Mayor Pete. This guy is a total and complete fraud. Absolutely. No doubt in my mind. This individual pulled a stunt on the Democrat Party. He joined the military through a peculiar back door that uh, conveniently had him avoid boot camp. Officer candidate school. Have you been, did you serve in the military? Did you have to go through something like this? I did, and it was horrible. I'm glad I did it. Uh, Pete did not have to do that. In fact, to join his little corner of the military, the Naval Reserve, all he had to do was decide with his friends, hey, you want to join the Navy Reserve? Sure, why not? Let's go to the Olive Garden. That's where they have the paperwork. And they went to the Olive Garden, they filled out the paperwork, and that's no joke how Pete joined the military. It was that easy. He did it so he could brag about it for political reasons, and he did. In his own book, this is how he characterizes his military service. Military duty was almost like a vacation. Uh, I would be expected to work 40 hours a week, a positively relaxing tempo compared to my schedule as a full-time mayor running for re-election. Uh, it was kind of a political Sabbath. There was time to work out, eat properly, catch up with old friends over dinner, and get a good night's sleep. This was during the two weeks of active duty he performed a year in Chicago. Uh, he did this so he could one day brag about it on the political stage, fool a lot of people who don't know better. And it did help him. I mean, to me, it was nauseating, but the crowd ate it up. Let me tell you about my relationship to the First Amendment. It is part of the Constitution that I raised my right hand and swore to defend with my life. That is my experience. And it may not be the same as yours, but it counts, Senator. It counts. It counts. It counts. So this is when I first noticed this guy. I noticed there was somebody talking about his military service a lot, and I counted it up. He talked about his military service five times as much as John McCain did when he ran for president in 2008 on the debate stage. It is absolutely incredible. John McCain, hey, he may have had his faults as a United States senator, but five and a half years as a prisoner of war... What else did Pete bring to the table? Phony military service and his sexuality. Pete Buttigieg is the first major gay candidate ever. Buttigieg, who is openly gay. He's a Christian, a veteran. Uh, he's from the Midwest, uh, and he's openly gay. He is the first uh, 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 gay candidate who is out uh, and proud uh, running in this election for president. Uh, that's the first time that's ever happened. Nobody cares. Except political journalists, for some reason, totally fascinated with his sexuality. And uh, Pete himself never stopped talking about it either. Look, being gay is part of who I am, and it's part of my story, and it has shaped me in some important ways. I'm comfortable dealing with bullies. I'm gay, and I grew up in Indiana, so I'm not that worried about that. I am proud of who I am. I'm certainly very proud of my, my marriage and of my husband. We don't shy away from that. It took me a long time to figure out how to tell even my best friend that I was gay.
let alone to go out there and tell the world. This actually worked for him because it got him noticed and they kept writing about his gayness. Regular people don't care. Uh, but the political press, they were addicted. They were addicted to this. Uh, very strange. And this helped him win the Iowa caucus. Yes, he won the Iowa caucus. Pete Buttigieg, a former mayor of, uh, what is it, South Bend, population, whatever, 102,000 people. Um, you know who I really want to find out what his thoughts are on Mayor Pete? This guy. Uh, his name is Mayor Wayne Messam. He ran for president, too, in 2020 as a Democrat. He was the mayor of a city, Miramar, Florida, that actually has more people than South Bend. But his campaign did not catch on for some reason. And here's the reason. He's married to a woman. That's the reason. Not particularly interested. Not particularly interesting to the political press. Well, Pete, I hope you had fun today. Um, nobody else is impressed and you're letting down the country. And you really should resign. I'll be right back. European American Armory Corp, or EAA Corp, is specialized in providing high-quality, innovative, and reasonably priced firearms to the U.S. since 1990. You can choose from a wide selection of unique and traditional pistols, whether you're looking for a concealed carry, revolver, shotgun, or competition pistol, EAA Corp has it. EAA's 1911 series comes in compact carry or full size in three popular calibers. If you're a first-time gun owner, EAA Corp's all-in-one 9mm MC9 Striker fire pistols come fully equipped in a sleek, light, ergonomic package ideal for everyday carry. In addition, their lineup includes the MC312 series of 12-gauge shotguns for hunting, sporting, tactical, or personal defense that will exceed your expectations. There is a limited lifetime warranty on every series available today at EAA Corp. EAA Corp says get the quality firearm you've always wanted and save yourself a lot of hard-earned money. Visit EAACorp.com. That's EAACorp.com to learn more and order online or through your local dealer. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? And nobody faker in the fake news than CNN, huh? And how about it? Did you hear about the morning show? A total and complete disaster. But I'm here to tell you, it's not Don Lemon's fault. Yeah, I know. Everyone's piling on. He said something about something, and uh, they're acting like he is a, he's a monster. He's not. Uh, that show has lots of problems. He's not the problem. Uh, you want to know what it is? I figured it out months ago. That morning show was doomed, featuring all those uh, attractive young go-getters. This was never going to work. Did you see the commercial for the show? All right. First time live on CNN was this, on this, this will tell you exactly what's wrong with the show, and it's important. If you want to go through this, let's go through it. I'm going to just... This show never had a chance, and quite frankly, it's her fault, the one in the pink. Take it from the top. Number one, you think you're a movie star? What's up with that? Give me a break. That's for movie stars. And this, I'm sensing a lot of arrogance. 
I'm sensing I'm better than you, the viewer. I'm also sensing she thinks she's better than you, Don Lemon. I'm telling you, it's real. Next. Your first time live on CNN was on my show? I think so. You were the first anchor to really put me on their show. When did you start, 2008? Yeah, and 2006. The, 2006 was my freshman year. Of high school, college, yeah. high school. Actually, I was in eighth grade. You were in eighth grade? <laughs> Nobody likes it when young people brag about being young, okay? That's another problem with this. Uh, what's her name? Caitlin somebody? Uh, no, that does not work, all right? It's just um, you don't know what you're doing. Sorry, in 10 years maybe, if she was in eighth grade in 2006, how old does it make her now? I don't know, 30s, whatever. Uh, too young. Next. A morning show is like when people walk into a diner. You come in and you get whatever amount of news that you can and you start your day. All right. Sorry to harp on this, but take a look at the way she's looking at Don Lemon. All right. I'm telling you, she, <laughs> that is not a look of approval or admiration or respect. It's like, why the hell do I have to host a show with you? She realizes what she's doing and then she puts the smile on. OK, right. Real. See that? Oh, yep. Got a smile. Yep. There's the smile. Totally forced. Totally fake. What's next? People's time is so valuable yeah. that yeah. if they have 15 minutes to watch the news, that's a lot of time. We need to cover more what is happening across America. All right. We need to cover. They're trying to pretend that this is a new and innovative show. And she says we got to cover the. Yeah, right. A different morning show. And we got to cover the news across the country. They were doing that on Good Morning America in 1972. That's what these national shows are supposed to that's, that's not new. All right, a little bit more. I knew he was a real friend when you flew to Slovenia for our wedding. And all my friends from Minnesota were like, oh my God, that's Don Lemon. And I was like, I work at CNN too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you notice Don Lemon laughed heartily, which you're supposed to do. That's a silent laugh. That's not a real laugh. Can I see it one more time? Sorry. <laughs> not laughing that's a problem it's a problem when you're advertising that you're your three friends and you get along and you have coffee when you really don't let's wrap this up what do you think this new show will be a total and complete catastrophe sorry don we're not done yet it's your job to connect all the dots and for someone who's like getting ready with their kids in the morning or has like five minutes to watch the news people just want to be heard it's really all about the conversation we're the place for accuracy and we're the place for context all right couple things did you catch the fake head nod hmm? yes i find what you're saying interesting but i really don't i'm really thinking about myself right now but i'm nodding my head because it seems like the thing to do uh it also makes me appear pensive when i'm really not also, what's up with the body language, the slouch? She's leaning away from all these people. She does not want to be there. So it's not Don Lemon's fault. It's uh, Caitlin, whatever. You want to watch a morning show, a good morning show? Check out Newsmax in the morning. Uh, Rob Bennerty is there and has all kinds of great people joining him. Very pleasant, very smart, and he knows what he's doing. Check it out, and I'll be right back. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Today, an accused murderer, uh, the Alex Murtoff trial, carried by just about every channel in the world. Kind of amazing. Afterwards, uh, when they rested, you saw the legal analysts come on. And I heard them analyze the attorneys, analyze the testimony, but nobody pronounced guilt or innocence like they do all the time when it comes to Donald Trump, the drumbeat of his guilt. It's amazing how he's treated compared to an accused murderer. I'd like to bring in Alan Dershowitz, professor emeritus at Harvard Law School. Uh, who has been there for Donald Trump in the past, even though he's not a political supporter. He does believe in the Constitution. Uh, Professor, welcome back. It is striking, isn't it, how the difference in treatment? Not only that, only that but the difference in the treatment of the lawyers. Uh, everybody respects the lawyer. They know he's defending somebody, even if they think he's guilty. They respected me when I defended O.J. They defended me. They respected me when I defended um, mass murderers and Nazis. But uh, when I defended... President Trump on constitutional grounds on the floor of the Senate. Um, people wouldn't talk to me. Larry David screamed at me. Caroline Kennedy said she wouldn't go to a dinner party with me. Somebody walked out when my wife was. It's part of the whole get Trump syndrome. Trump is worse than anybody, according to these folks. And anything that can stop him from running is worth doing even if it violates the Constitution, the presumption of innocence, proof beyond a reasonable doubt, let's just jump to judgment, declare him guilty, and and put him away. And uh, that, that that that's just un-American, particularly when you look at the allegation against him, a phone call in which he said, fine, 11,780 votes. Fine means something's lost. Discover it. See if there are any ballots that haven't been counted. Fine. All right. I'm so sorry, uh, Professor. Professor, uh, we got to work on the communication line. I, I don't hear. Do me a favor. Stand by. I'm going to throw to that phone call that you were just talking about. I agree with you. There's no crime there. But let's see if we can hook it up a little bit tighter. Uh, and let's listen to that phone call. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have, because we won the state. I only need 11,000 votes. Fellas, I need 11,000 votes. Give me a break. (laughs) I need 11,000 votes. It's okay to say you need something. It's okay to say you want something. How serious are they, though, in Atlanta, Professor? It seems like, you know, we saw that goofy uh, grand juror four-person It sounds like they're really she's not a serious person, but they're serious about indicting people over that phone call, which is fine. There's no way that phone call is the basis for indictment. The dictionary definition of fine means if something's lost, you have to look for it, look hard. That's what he was saying. Uh, There are votes out there that haven't been counted. I want you to find them. He never said invent them. He never said make them up out of whole cloth. Um, you can't just speculate about what he means and base a criminal prosecution on that. So there's no way there could be a successful criminal prosecution that would be upheld on appeal based on that phone call alone. Well, I'm a little bit worried, though, because let's face it, the, the, the pool has been infected. You know, you're on your own. There are very few people like you of your stature standing up. Big law firms. I am surprised that how afraid and how skittish they are. 
when it comes to anything MAGA, anything Donald Trump. They have exaggerated January 6th. They have totally distorted Donald Trump into a monster. So there are people and judges who are afraid, and they're afraid of the mob. You and I know it's a bogus case. But there are people who don't have your backbone and yeah, don't have your intellectual stamina. But the mob is really out there. There's a group called 65 Project. There are a bunch of, in my view, uh, questionably ethical lawyers who have as their goal to disbar every lawyer who ever defended Trump or had anything to do with Trump. They've gone after me now. They've tried to file a bar complaint against me. They file bar complaints against virtually every lawyer who's had anything to do. And so most lawyers don't have the courage to go forward. They, they can't afford it. They can't afford to lose their license. So they're using these unconstitutional McCarthyite means to go after the lawyers, to go after Trump. Um, and uh, look, I, look, I have a constitutional right to vote against Trump for the third time. And I want that right to be exercised. I don't want him to be stopped from running for unconstitutional means. The public has the right to decide who the next president should be, not a bunch of bureaucrats or lawyers under Project 65. So we have to fight that kind of McCarthyism and Stalinism. That's what we're confronting in America today, McCarthyism and Stalinism from the hard left. And let, there's no bones about it. We're undergoing some of the worst times in terms of civil liberties in my 84 years on this planet. You know, so, all right, you you said something about the appellate court. It would never, if they convicted, it would never hold at the appellate level. And I want to believe that's true. But let's face it, if you indict him, you're going to turn his life upside down and screw up uh, 2024. And that's probably the intent. They don't care. Uh, and can I show you this, sir? The January 6th report is 845 pages long. Now, most ordinary people are not going to be able to read that. They don't want to read that. It's just too long. And the powers that be, the ones who produced it, I mean, they're all in cahoots together. Even the media, they don't read it. They just take the, the, the Fed talking points about it and run with it. How do we, yeah. how do we fight that? I, I don't, you're not going to be, you're 84. I wish you, you're not going to be around forever. There's nobody like you out there or waiting in the wings. Advice. Yeah, there are. There are some young people. Yeah. There are some good young people out there. Joel Pollack, for example, you know him at uh, Breitbart. He fights the good fight. There are other people who fight the good fight. Harvey, Harvey Silverblade at Harvard, an organization called FIRE, F-I-R-E. Uh, there are people out there, but not enough of them. And too many people who used to be civil libertarians have turned into McCarthyite witch hunters, uh, are prepared to do anything to get Trump, no matter how unconstitutional it is. It is. And we're seeing that, and we have to act. Whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, a liberal or conservative, you have to fight against this kind of McCarthyism because because it's spreading and it's spreading among young people. Future, not the past, and that's what's so worrisome. Professor Dershowitz, sorry about the uh, audio, but uh, always great to see you. And um, come back soon when that book comes out. We'll be right back. is Yuma, Arizona, depicted on the map. You see that? How close it is to Mexico. It's a border town. I lived there, actually, for four years. An amazing place. Enjoyed it very much. However, lately, it's been overrun uh, with illegal immigrants. It's kind of crazy. Congressman Russell Fry has been spending a lot of time at the border. There he is, checking out the fence. They had a special hearing today in Yuma, Arizona, talking to the people there 
uh, about the problem. Listen to this. I remember our first, my first committee hearing this year, first one ever, when the ranking member said that we were imagining a border crisis. My first question to the good people of Yuma, are you imagining a border crisis? Is the border secure here in Yuma? Has the border gotten worse under President Biden? And final question, do you think this administration has faithfully executed their obligation to secure that border? Wow. Congressman Russell Fry joins us, Republican of South Carolina. He's in Yuma tonight. Uh, welcome, sir. Many thanks. How do you like Yuma, by the way? It's uh, quite a town, isn't it? It's wonderful. The weather's been really good. Uh, the people are incredible. Uh, but to see the sights uh, that we've seen this week, it really opens your eyes. You know, you can read about it in the newspaper. You can see it on TV. But to visualize it, to see it, to talk to the locals about what they go through every single day, uh, is really remarkable and, and, and eye-opening. And this is something we had managed. I lived there in the 90s. It was under control, and now it's totally out of control. Um, why do you think that is, and why do the residents think that is? Is it, is, is it, as I believe, a sinister plot? Democrats want these people, or they want to be able to portray these, uh, these immigrants, illegal immigrants, as voting a certain way? Look, what we, what we do know is that two years ago, law enforcement, uh, ranchers, business owners, community leaders, hospital systems and residents all say the same thing, that the border was never more secure than it is now. But you fast forward to where we are and you have, you know, people used to come into this country and evade apprehension. They used to kind of run away. Now they line up at the open parts of the border and wait to be picked up by the Border Patrol. I mean, so th this is the, the change that we've seen. And obviously the numbers back it up. You look at fentanyl overdoses, you look at fentanyl seizures, you look at human trafficking, crime, borders, uh, border seizures uh, along every sector of the border are up dramatically because of this administration. And it's because of their lax attitude, basically putting their head in the sand and ignoring a problem. Hey, when you take uh, when you have a hearing in a place like Yuma, you know, you're not on Capitol Hill. Is it official? How does it work? I've, I've heard of hearings happening in New York before, but I'm unfamiliar with the congressional hearing, you know, in Yuma. Uh, is it is it still an official proceeding? Does it count? Yeah, it's an official proceeding. So the notice went out. Obviously, uh, Democrats chose to stay away. But we had witness testimony uh, from a hospital system that talked about $26 million uh, that they've had to foot the bill for. Uh, we, we heard from law enforcement. We heard from local leaders. Uh, so it's an official hearing. There's questions. There's give and take. Uh, obviously, this one was a lot more interesting than, than some of the ones that we do in, in D.C. And we had a tremendous crowd there. I mean, it was a packed house of, of local residents. What's going to happen? I mean, let's face it, the Democrats uh, want to stop everything. They want to let them in. Uh, there's no consensus on anything. The Senate is in Democrat hands. Uh, the investigations are great. How do you see this playing out over the next year and a half? Well, I think in investigations, the oversight investigations highlight the problem. You're, you're, uh, listeners and, and, and viewers understand this, they see it, uh, but to highlight really what's going on on the ground, I think is important because it moves the national narrative. Second, after that is is, uh, is legislation that judiciary is already working on uh, to, to hold this administration accountable, to do the job um, and, and really make this administration 
um, do what they're supposed to do under the Constitution. So I think on, on and from an appropriation standpoint, too, is is highlighting those things. Funding. We have the power of the purse in the House of Representatives, making this administration do its constitutional job. Uh, we really shouldn't have to do that. But here we are. Uh, and I think that there are several of us uh, willing to take on that fight. Uh, Secretary Mayorkas, Homeland Security Secretary still uh, quibbling about all kinds of things and uh, always playing games with words. Cut 15, please. Let me take a step back for a minute and let me uh, explain a very important, uh, make, make a very important point, and that is that the border is secure. The United States Border Patrol secures the border on behalf of the American people. That's what we do, and we are doing it. Uh, and that's been a similar tune ever since over the past two years. This guy's got to go, right? Look, this is this is the frustrating thing that Americans see. This is the gaslighting and pretending like a problem doesn't exist. Um, you know, he's failed to do his job. Uh, people along the border, law enforcement, uh, local officials have said that, you know, when he actually took time to come down there, that they never really got anything from him, that there were commitments made to finish portions of the border here in Yuma. Those still haven't been done. Um, so, you know, for, for a, a secretary to not do their job, um, like we're seeing with our transportation secretary in Ohio, uh, is incredibly enraging and, and really a dereliction of duty. We appreciate so much you, your colleagues, supporting Newsmax in our fight with DirecTV, uh, AT&T. Uh, you know, they say that this is just a business dispute. We see it as conservatives being deplatformed. Thank you for your assistance. Your thoughts, please. Absolutely. Look, News, Newsmax occupies an incredible space in the marketplace. Uh, they have an incredibly loyal viewership. Uh, and so to see this deplatforming is incredibly concerning uh, and, and should be a wake up call for all of us. We appreciate it so much. Congressman Russell Fry. Finally, real quick, you're pretty new to Congress. How do you like it so far? We're trying to get our sea legs a little bit, but it's been uh, like drinking water out of a fire hose. But I do, you know, under the leadership of the committees that I serve on, Jim Jordan, uh, Comer, I think we're doing incredibly well. And I'm excited to be part of the a conservative team leading this country. All right, Congressman Fry, we appreciate it. Republican of South Carolina in Yuma tonight. Are you with the El Fuente? Which, which, uh, you, don't tell us what hotel you're in. I know them all, though. I lived there for four years. It's a great town. I don't want anybody showing up, so uh, we'll leave it at that. Thank you, sir, and I'll be right back. No crooked, crooked establishment. None of that twisting the truth. No talking down don't to me. Tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. I trust Newsmax. Newsmax. They don't tell, tell me how to think. think. They let me decide. Newsmax. Real news. For real people. 62% of Americans believe that there would have been no invasion of Ukraine if President Trump were still in office. It's so obvious. Makes so much sense. So it's been a year since Putin went into Ukraine. One year. Ted Cruz on his uh, pretty awesome podcast. He's got a podcast that's a real hit. Had some thoughts about the situation in Joe Biden's leadership. And it's, uh, it's pretty important, pretty powerful. Take a look. You know, when it comes to Ukraine, listen, we have a national security interest in Russia losing. We want Putin to be defeated. But we don't have an interest in just writing blank checks to Zelensky 
funding corruption in the Ukrainian government. We don't have an interest in funding all the civilian bureaucracy. We don't have an interest in funding the welfare system. We do have a national security interest in providing weapons to be used to kill Russians by Ukrainian soldiers. Ironically, the Biden White House, number one, caused the war. We've talked about that a lot in this podcast by waiving sanctions on Russia for Nord Stream 2, waiving sanctions on Putin for Nord Stream 2. Biden personally, through his own political stupidity, caused this war. But number two, once the war happened, Biden slow walked military assistance all throughout uh, you recall early on when the war started, the first reaction of the Biden administration was offering Zelensky, hey, we'll fly you out of the country to abandon the country. And Zelensky yeah. said, I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. Yeah. And the Biden White House had no interest initially in providing military aid. I'll tell you when that was happening. The Biden administration was giving classified briefings to the entire Senate saying this war will be over in less than a week. Russia will sweep into Ukraine. The tanks will overrun the entire country. It'll be over in a week. The Ukrainians have no hope, no prayer whatsoever. So in other words, don't get involved because it's going to be done anyway. Their view was surrender. That was their advice to Zelensky. Hey, we'll fly yeah, out. Yeah, when you fly a leader out, how often does that leader come back into power within the next three, four, five, six weeks or years, right? Usually doesn't happen. What a brain. And so right across the board. Senator Ted Cruz, thank you. Check out his podcast, Verdict with Ted Cruz. Thanks so much for joining us tonight, okay? And thank you for your support with this um, AT&T thing. Appreciate it so much. See you tomorrow night.